This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. I smiled grossly. I'm just trying to bring. I'm trying to mix up one episode 564, <laughs> dude. We should have restarted. What was that? You're like giving yourself a hug. Uh, Man, that's a cool. You that's it? a throwback from like yeah. the early 90s. Yeah, I wasn't alive in the 90s, guys. I know. Yeah, you're 17 years old. <laughs> Back in the day, you've aged really badly. So, hey, here's a little hip hop. You're gonna look terrible in 20s. <laughs> here's a little hip hop history lesson for you, buddy. Yep. Pre gangsta rap. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty lighthearted. They, we had like yeah, uh, they've been making fun of your mom's weight. Yeah, like, you know, where you live and like what you eat. Flavor Flav yeah. had a big uh, uh, alarm clock, yeah. and uh, we had Will Smith singing about like playing base- basketball, right? And, and doing your homework and, and tights, mm-hmm. and then guys hugging themselves. It was and really then, uh, nice. And then you know NWA and uh, all those guys came out, and it changed things forever after. Yeah, and then they sold a lot of stuff. They and did. so then it became the thing that and now studios And now they're rich and Ice Cube is on the family channel. He does a Christmas movie every year. Yes, which is really cool. <laughs> I love it. But actually, there's a, uh, there's a documentary out about um, the, uh, Dr. Dre and all those guys. It's mega interesting. They're businessmen. Oh, yeah. Straight up. They oh, started out when they were kids in high school and they definitely, it was a different animal, but they've, it's a business and they right. just, they, they played it correctly and now they're all super wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the movie? The movie was really good. I was straight out of Compton. I yeah. haven't seen it yet, but I really want to see it. Yeah, it was really um, good. I, I live that movie, so I don't need to watch okay. it. <laughs> I already know how it ends. <laughs> the salty banana, straight Every hardcore day. ghetto gangster. Every day when I'm on that trolley. Every day. Yeah. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> straight out of... Straight out of Mission Valley. Long Beach. San Bernardino. Orange <laughs> County. Big Bear. Oh, Straight out of Big Bear. Out the bear. Yep. Or the, the uh, sipping water from the creek in the moonlight. Yeah. There could yeah. be a rap song about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, at any rate, we often talk about gaming. So welcome to Signals <laughs> from the Frontline. You're every uh, Wednesday live show on Twitch. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? And of course, you can catch us every Friday, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube. What's up to all the tubers and, and the iTuners? Mm. Yep. The yep. tubers and the tuners. The tubers <laughs> and the tuners. And the twitchers. The twitchers. <laughs> the tweakers. God, the, twe- <laughs> the tweakers? That doesn't even sound accurate. <laughs> which which site's that from, Jason? <laughs> yeah, what, what have you been going on the company dime? Uh, just out, out the door. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. We do have some tweakers that hang out in the bushes uh, behind, behind the <laughs> they store. Like the, they like to jump There's out. not even actual bushes. Halloween. Like, ah! some guy carrying a bush, yeah. guys. I walk to and from work, and sometimes I work late, and I go out at night in like Big Rigs Park. There's like an industrial area behind the shop, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of uh, people that like camp out. There. Yeah. And I walk by, and I'm always like, I'm ready at any moment. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's Halloween. There's zombies everywhere. Yes, it feels that way sometimes. <laughs> so come on down to Frontline Gaming. <laughs> come hang out. Come hang out with the Your guys friendly in the RVs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do move them every other uh, They have days. to. Yeah. Sunday. Uh, San Diego has a high homeless population, unfortunately. Doesn't matter where you are. The weather's very nice. Yeah. 
Um, at any rate, uh, big news out this week. The Ash Militarum Codex did come out over the weekend. Or, I'm sorry, it went up for pre-order over the weekend. Right. And it will be available uh, this Saturday. You can pick that up from Frontline Gaming at 15% off. And we also offer free shipping on orders over $99 within the continental United States. Mm -hmm. So if you want to pick up an Ash Militarum uh, army, you want to expand your existing army, or you just want to get the codex to remain competitive and see what's in there, read the cool fluff, please consider getting it from us. I think you can get the codex and like a start collecting Astro Militarum and it puts you right over the $99. Yeah, yep. so free shipping and discount, pretty good. Absolutely. And of course, there are some more Death Guard models that have been released. Uh, really, I love these models. I, again, I do agree with what everybody has said, that the, the color scheme is a little cartoony. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily dislike that. All my armies are really bright colors too. I tend to gravitate towards that, but um, I, this is a little bit much for me. But the models are amazing, and uh, we did we got their their plague surgeon, uh, the bloat drone with the flesh mower, possibly yes. the best name. Yeah. Oh, the flesh mower is super good. If you're uh, in Norway, maybe Finland, mm -hmm. and you're in high school, you're feeling angsty, thinking about starting a band, flesh mower. Flesh mower would be pretty good. You know what I mean? That's the home of of. of Black metal and death metal. I wonder who comes so, up with these names. Somebody's job is to come up with this. Well, you know what's funny is like there are a lot of metal bands that are named after stuff in 40k. Like there's yeah. Bellacore is a band name. Um, of course, there was the famous Bolt Thrower. Mm -hmm. Bolt Thrower was amazing. They still tour. Well, of course they do. Bolt Thrower, you got uh, in White Dwarf, they had a, a record that was made out of like cardboard with wax. Like they used to do this and you punched it out hmm. and then you play it and it was like all wobbly. <laughs> What? <laughs> I, dude, you never saw those? No. Back in the day... Uh, when we, was this? Like the 30s? Or yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, you had to get the, the crank out. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and you got the big, the big, the big, the yeah. big uh, phone or whatever yeah. the hell Reese's out there just... Yeah. Ooh, that's a catchy tune. Come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Me and the rascals around the uh, neighborhood... You just sit kick out the play, kick the can, yeah. and then buy donuts for a nickel. And then we'd go listen to Volt Thrower yeah. on the gramophone. <laughs> Oh. I'm, to be fair, though, I'm, I'm definitely going to date myself. My first two albums mm -hmm. were records. It was Michael Jackson, Who's Bad, mm -hmm. and uh, Snoopy's The Red Baron. <laughs> You're not that old as me. I did not that have good. Hey, dude, Snoopy, Snoopy's The Red yeah, Baron album was amazing. <laughs> it sounds pretty hard. And then my dad got me hard. the letter people, which taught you how to read. Mm -hmm. And it was all it was all records. Well, that was a waste. And there was one was for each good. letter. Didn't work. Oh man, it was amazing. TV, yeah, I, still, money back. I still remember some of those tunes. Like, Pretty fun. Uh, uh, exercise, that was Mrs. E. Oh my she God. She was lifting weights and stuff. Is that why you started liking to lift weights? I think it? so. Like, wow, you started dancing to it. But the best part was Mr. S was like Super S. And he has this little thing, and if you touched it, he was like a little like figure with. Uh, if you touched his S? If you touched it on the right. So you'd ask, it would ask you questions like, what letter does Apple start with? And you put touch it on the A, and his eyes would light up. Whoa. But I discovered that if you put it on your tongue, his eyes would light up and it would buzz your tongue a little bit. So that's all I did. Mm -hmm. I was running around like, meh, meh, meh. I'm sure I I'm sure that was probably made out of lead, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it was, it was covered with that. asbestos. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah, asbestos was inside of it to keep it insulated, but <laughs> Extra lead safe. paint on the outside. Oh, the 80s. Yeah. Nobody cared. Made you tough. Mm -hmm. No one died from that, ever. <laughs> no one that's still around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so at any rate uh, we do have some awesome death guard models that came out uh, as we, uh, stated in the battle report that i wrote from our 
uh, recent trip out to Arizona for the uh, Rise of the Primark GT. I played against an army with, had, that had six plague crawlers, and they are exceptional. It's an extremely good tank. A lot of people online were questioning if they were going to be good or if they were going to be worth their points. I, I will emphatically say that I think that they're an exceptional tank. Uh, anything that's that durable on its own with no buffs is already bananas. It has a 5 plus invulnerable save, 5 plus feel no pain, T8, 12 wounds, 3 up save. Is that a demon engine? It is. It is. So it has it's, keyword demon? I believe ooh, it I does. I yeah. believe it does. It's pretty yes. darn good though. It's really... Great night players rejoice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Take so three mortal wounds. Anytime something's in the demon, you're like, hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, it's, it's a mortar. It's a battle cannon that doesn't require line of sight. Uh, it is only BS4, which is kind of a bummer, but it also has the heavy slugger, which is a, a really good gun. And then I would go with the two flamers on the sides because if you have Mortarian nearby, mm -hmm. uh, you get to reroll the wound roll, and they're, they're like strength seven. Yeah, a Exceptional tank. Absolutely. It's an amazing tank. Like, I, I was never, I'd never seen it taken in mass like that, and it was really devastating. Uh, so consider picking some of these up if you are a Death Guard player. Uh, and the blow drones are also really, really good. Uh, they're a surprisingly good unit. Yeah, they're very very durable. Um, they they have the flamers as well, which are really powerful. Or the flesh mower. Yeah, they can, and they're uh, quick. You over. They have the yeah. fly keyword, which is I think top three best keywords in the game. Mm -hmm. And they can leave combat. They can still squirt pus all over you. Um, just really visceral. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait for the slanesh to come out. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of like the joke. The, the joke is going to be not making it sexual. That's true. To make it like really serious. Yeah, you get because otherwise it's just it's they're too. Just, easy. Yeah. Let's call it the lawnmower. Yeah. The, fre the flesh yeah. stroker is what you had said. Oh my god. Just flopping you. It'd be great if they had they called it like, the rubber knocker. It'd be great if they had like a tank that like it was a flame <laughs> tank. They called it the, the flesh lighter. Flesh lighter. Yeah, because it was like it would light things up. I don't know. Uh, GW, you can use that if you want. <laughs> go ahead. You can use it's a freebie. Uh, so uh, at any rate, let's go on to the main topic of today's show, and that is the Ash Militarum Codex Review. So we're not going to go play-by-play. Play. Uh, it's a huge book. There's a lot to cover. And we did put up a comprehensive two-part review on Frontline Gaming, which you can uh, read. Uh, there are links in the show notes, or just go to frontlinegaming.org. And it breaks down the first part, talks about special rules, stratagems, relics, warlord traits, regimental doctrines. And the second part goes unit by unit. So it's sure. a lot of it's a lot of information. It's like 22 pages worth of, of information. I think I've got carpal tunnel after writing that mm -hmm. in the course of three days. But uh, at any rate, we do want to go in and talk about it because the reaction online has been pretty strong. This yeah. has been the strongest uh, emotional response we've seen from any codex so far in 8th edition, which... I did not see it coming. I'm a little surprised. Mm -hmm. uh, Chaos is still, in my opinion, the most raw power of any codex in the game. Mm -hmm. But people, for whatever reason, they're having a really, really strong reaction uh, to Ash Militarum. Either like super crazy excited or super, super uh, uh, negative reaction thinking it's too powerful. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see that because I didn't think that we would get that from Ash Militarum. Mm -hmm. Not that much changed from the index. You got your doctrines, mm -hmm. which are really good. Right. Uh, but I don't, and I think that they're, 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 I would say that they've got the coolest doctrines of any of the codexes we've seen so far. Yeah. Because like Space Marines and Chaos Space Marines, you had a couple that 
are not super jump up and down exciting, mm -hmm. but all of the uh, Ash Militarum ones are really exciting. Yeah. So maybe that's what's causing it. A lot of people have been like, oh my God, artillery are too strong. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always difficult to judge because depending on how you play the game, maybe for you it is too powerful. But when you go to a tournament with the rise of minus one to hit armies, artillery is just declining in power dramatically. Like if you play against Raven Guard, it's it, like for Ash Militarium, it's like extremely difficult right. to overcome that. Or Alpha Legion, Raven Guard's even worse because they tend to be a shooting army. Yeah. Whereas Alpha Legion tends to get up in your face. And a lot of times that minus one to hit goes away pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But with Raven Guard, like I play my Raptors, I smoosh Ash Militarium. Like I almost, it's like, yeah, because if they're hitting you on fives five. most of the time, yeah. it's, it's not And you're amazing. in cover and you have like a three up or yeah. two up save. I think that's what people forget. They see all these great um, uh, bonuses for the regiments. Like we talked about, like Katachin, right? Oh, you get to reroll one of the D6s for all these random shots. And for art artillery, yes, it's very good. But people forget that you're normally hitting on fours. Half of your yeah. shots are going to miss and you, on you, average. And for you, me, more than half, usually. Yeah, you don't even have that many reroll auras. Like you have two right. characters. They let you reroll one. They let you reroll ones, and one of them is Yark, and the other is Harker. Mm -hmm. And Harker only works in the shooting phase. Mm -hmm. uh, now, to be fair, for fifty points, he's he's amazing. He's an all-star yeah. model, and every Catachan army in the world is going to be taking Harker. Yeah. And Yark is really good. He works in the in the melee phase too. But that's it. Think about like what Space Marines get. Space Marines are like going to be hitting you with like ninety percent accuracy all the time. Right. And often there are going to be times when you're rerolling with a wound roll yeah. too. And just about the same price, I would say, for a lot of the units that are hitting better yeah. with reroll, full rerolls. And that are much more durable yeah. on top of it. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess it just really comes down to perspective. Like, I, I was a little surprised at the reaction. Like, some people are claiming it's the most overpowered codex the game has ever seen. And I'm like, I laugh. I don't think overpowered is the right word. Like, I'd say most versatile. Like, yeah. you can take pretty much like the the variety of armies you're going to see from astro militarum is really impressive mm -hmm. because everything in it is pretty good i mean like you said all the doctrines are good so you can make a catachan army you can make a cadian army you can make a valhallen army and they're all pretty solid and you can make like infantry base you can make tank base you can make deep striking base uh it's it's a really really versatile army which i think is the beauty of it like it's really good um i don't think it's overpowering by any means um I guess that all depends on your meta and what you're really facing against, what army you play as well, too. Um, but overall, I'd say it's probably the most versatile army we've ever seen in 40k. Yeah, and maybe that's what's <laughs> rubbing some people the wrong way is because, like, literally everything is good. Yeah, yeah. And we're... you don't really have any stinkers. Like, I, I, I'm trying to think, like, the Hydra is a stinker, in my opinion. It's yes. just, it just sucks. Yeah. And the Servitors aren't good. And they're not even that bad. <laughs> But it's, it's like, I can't think of anything else where I'm like, that unit is really, really bad. Well, I think it's really the doctrines because that opens up a lot more doors to you. Um, whereas like Space Marines, there's like really two, maybe three chapters that you're going to lean towards in that codex. But there's a lot more uh, chapters in there that are just not that great. Whereas in Astra Militarum, they're all like solid choices. Like there are, of course, the ones that are probably like the best, like... Um, Katachan and Kadia. I think Talarn is the best. Talarin, so, I mean, but Mordians are great too. I mean, and Destroy all is great exactly. too. And then here we go. This is the yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> you so, can close your eyes, throw a dart, and yeah. make a good army. It's so like, that's probably what is rubbing people yeah. the wrong way is because you open the book and you're like, well, that's good, that's good, that's good. Wow, this is good, this is right. good, this is good. Okay, the Hydra's not great. But then you look at Space Marines and they have like a bunch of units that aren't really the best. So 
I could see where it's coming from, but it really depends on what army you're playing yourself, what your meta is. Like, if you're playing against all guard all the time, then probably, yeah, you're going to be like, wow, this codex is just beating the crap out of me all the time. But I mean, but then you have the opportunity to, to tailor your list to counter. Exactly, exactly. So, but, I mean, it's like, I think you made a really good point. Now, I would counter that I think all the Space Marine chapter tactics are good. I just think that there's some that don't jump out at you as being obviously good. Like Ultramarines with Guillemin, obviously good. Raven Guard has come up as the most popular now, mm -hmm. but a lot of people didn't see it at first. Right. A lot of people were kind of like, eh. But then playing the game, especially tournament play, Raven Guard is the most useful yeah. all around. Bobby G is what makes Ultramarines kind of stay up there. Mm -hmm. And the one, there's some like we were talking about that people have just blown right, they just they aren't even looking at it, but there's some really hidden power. Like White Scars are amazing, especially in this meta. Uh, salamanders, I think, are so underrated. I even think Crimson Fists are quite good. Imperial Fists are definitely the weakest, in my opinion. But Yeah, I mean, they have options, but it's it's less good, in my opinion, compared to like Dash Militarum Doctrines, which are all probably relatively equal in comparison to like uh, uh, Raven Guard, you know? Maybe I think that's a stretch, but I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, like out of the out of all the doctrines, I think the only I think the least appealing is Mordian. Yeah, and yet it's still, it's still really strong. good. <laughs> um, and all of the units in the Codex are good. Yeah. Does that mean that this Codex is broken? No. And I I think that we're going to see that in tournament play. I think it's going to play out. Like a lot of people make a lot of people make comments without having any factual basis. It's just an emotional reaction, which is it's fair. It's what people do. It's people being people mm -hmm. but everyone's like ash Tim are already the best and they're going to continue to be us and i'm like well no chaos is the best <laughs> the numbers show it go look at the data and a lot of the stuff that was ridiculous in the index got toned down for the codex well i think conscripts being the, the main ones there the opinion is like a lot of the uh lists that you're seeing at tournaments have like a bunch of conscripts and mortar teams right yep. so everybody equates that to a guard list but it, it wasn't a guard list because they had like Celestine and Guillemin and Storm Ravens and all this other stuff that was inside of it. Um, yeah, it had a bunch of infantry that were guard, but like a primarily guard list is a very strong list. But in my opinion, it's still a gunline list. Like it's a list that's not going to be going out and grabbing a lot of stuff until late game. Um, so that's how you can play around the guard. And uh, I think that's their main weakness is not going out and grabbing stuff. Uh, they still play relatively similar to what they did in 5th uh, edition, where they sat back and shot you. They, they haven't changed a whole lot. And from uh, Index to Codex, they still haven't changed that much. Like, the, the prototypical uh, guard uh, Index tournament army was a bunch of mortar teams, a bunch of basilisks, a bunch of conscripts, some support characters, and then maybe throw in a couple flyers or Bobby G or Celestine or something like that to actually go out and do stuff. Yeah. You could do, take that exact same army and basically still play it. Now, another thing to, to bear in mind, a lot of people <clears throat> online have been reacting like, oh, why didn't they change this? Why didn't they change that? Now, please remember, you do not know when this book was finished, right? When did it go to the printers? Yeah. I guarantee it wasn't a week ago or even a month ago yeah. when all the things in the meta that are present in our minds right now were not even issues probably when this book may have been uh, sent to the printer. So some of the issues that have arisen recently in the last month or two may not have been non-issues when the book was finished being written. And you, don't, you wouldn't know that without knowing when it was published. It's conceivable that maybe it got printed 
before the edition even came out, you know? So none of us know that, the exact date, but bear that in mind, right? Like you're looking at this in a snapshot in time uh, and in two months, there'll be different issues. There'll be different things. Like how'd they miss that? Well, now, you know, you know, you could be freaking eight months away from when the book was written. Yeah. And also, please remember, chapter approved is right around the corner. GW announced it at Nova Open, and they've announced that a lot of units are getting points changes, all kinds of stuff. So maybe it, it is conceivable that some of the changes that you might have expected in the codex weren't able to be put into the codex, and maybe they're coming in chapter approved. Yeah, I mean, like, as we've seen, GW is listening to everybody, and a lot of these problems are things that, yeah, probably were missed during playtesting and when they were creating the books and all that stuff. But they are listening and they are willing to make changes. So these problems that are arising will probably get adjusted in the future. We don't know. They might not. But the things that are real issues and people are complaining about will get looked at and probably resolved in the future, whether it's in a month or a year or whenever. So. Yeah. I would expect a big shakeup with chapter approved. Just uh, going off of what GW unveiled at Nova Open at their uh, uh, seminar, they told they actually they said a lot of what to expect from chapter approved, and it sounds like it's going to be a pretty significant change. So, uh, if there was something that you wanted to see, maybe that I think everyone in the community can kind of agree, like yeah, that probably is too good or not good enough. Um, I would expect that you could anticipate things like that. It would be a good, safe bet, in my opinion, that Chapter Proof is going to address a lot, a lot of these things. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. But in regards to the Codex itself, um, why don't we start off as we do uh -huh. with the salty banana? Yeah. Take us so, on a ride. It's I become, want, it's I become want to my ride thing. the banana. You ready Down for the banana train? <laughs> do I have That's to wear much. short yellow shorts to ride the banana train? Yes. I was hoping you'd say yes. I was going to make it this tall to ride thing, but appropriate. That's, that's too much. This tall on your knees. Right. Well, that was... That's too on Yeah, that's, that's too on the nose. Get out of here. Come on. You're, you're gross. Get yeah, what are you here. talking about? Inappropriate. It's a short Overline. bus. Oh, yeah. it's worse. It's not a bus. It's a banana. Remember the yeah, banana you used to ride on like the, a bus. in the lake? It's a, it's a weird, weird nickname, and it's weird to Take us on the ride. Here we go. So... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, so, Astra Militarum, right? Everyone's favorite guardsman. It used to be called Imperial Guard Ooh. back uh, in the day for you old timers. It was originally the uh, Imperial Army. True. Am I gonna, are we going to be censored for that by saying Imperial Guard? No. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> due, to, due to IP reasons, uh, it was changed to Astra Militarum, even though you'll catch it in the codex where periodically they will refer to them as Imperial Guard, like off the topic. Like, oops. You know? um, well, they, they say that like they are officially known as Astra Militarum, but unofficially known as the Imperial Guard. Oh. Mm -hmm. So it keeps everyone happy, right? I love that. Official, Just like Primaris Marines, right? They're not the new Marines. They're just, we're not going to be doing other stuff for the old ones. <laughs> <laughs> but you can still play them. So uh, if you like, the Imperial Guard name is in there. Um, anyways, so the Imperial Guard actually, as we know it, the Astra Militarum, uh, became a thing after the Horus Heresy. Before the Horus Heresy, um, they were just known as the, the Guard, the, the Imperial Army, like Reese said. Um, so um, th that was brought about during the Great Crusade when the Space Marine Legions were out there um, reclaiming worlds in the name of the Emperor. Um, they quickly found out that the Space Marines themselves, even though there was a lot of them at the time before the Horus Heresy, um, were not enough to actually, like, garrison the worlds and stuff like that. They were just, that's not the, what they were for. Space Marines are meant to go in there, hit something, move on. Yeah. Right? Hit it, quit it, 
On to the next one. That's, That's what they'd like to say. That's in the, the logo for the Space Marines. The Space Marines. <laughs> they quit it. Getting it and quitting it for 10,000 years. Yeah, next. Since M31. Space next. Marines, next. <laughs> so uh, the Emperor quickly realized Don't that. Don't call me, I'll call you. Right. Yeah. I'm real busy. <gasps> real busy. I got something to do in the morning. So uh, that's what they said to the, to the guardsmen. <laughs> so uh, they would leave, and then you'd have like the, the poor uh, schmucky uh, humans that would be left on the planet to kind of like try to like say, "Oh, hey, sorry about that, guys. We're gonna <laughs> we kill everybody." <laughs> sorry for those giant monsters that just came in here and killed everyone. But uh, is it cool we gears in your world now? Like, is that cool? So um, that's that's what they did, and so that the Imperial Army became uh, needed to garrison the worlds to act, act uh, auxiliary for the Space Marine Legions. Um, and it was this humongous organization. Uh, after the Horse Heresy, just like the Space Marine Legions and the Mechanicum, uh, the Imperial Army had split up into different factions, um, some for Horus, some for the Emperor. Um, and then after the Horus Heresy, just like the Space Marine Legions had to get broken up into pieces so they couldn't all rebel at the same time again, uh, the same thing happened to the Imperial Army. So that was, that was split off from the Navy. The Navy became their own thing. The, uh, the Guardsmen became their own thing. Uh, the theory was that like, if the ground troops decided to, to rebel, they couldn't call in like a planet strike from the Navy because they were separate organizations and the likelihood of the Navy guys also being rebellious is the same as the ground guys is not likely. So yeah. um, that was the theory. So they got all broken up into different pieces. Um, and that's kind of how we are still. Uh, the guardsmen are drawn from the planets that are in the Imperium. It's a tithe. So uh, the you'll, that each planet is basically, um, required to provide either materials for the Imperium. If they don't have anything that they want, they say, well, give us your people. Give us manpower. <laughs> so, yeah. and that's what they do. So they'll actually take like whole generations and stuff from planets. They'll never come back. Yep. Um, the odds of you returning are super low. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the funny thing is that we think of guard as like, all oh, these wimpy humans on the table, strength three, toughness three, blah, 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 have las guns. They're pretty crappy. But like in the fluff, if you read it, those are like the best of the humans from yeah. every planet. Yeah. So like the actual Imperial Guard or Astra Militarum is drawn from the best of a planet. They're, and though they're still that weak they're, they're compared to everything else. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. But it's just they're fighting against monsters. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What can they exactly. do? The scale at like which they are fighting is like so high that they're yeah. relatively bad. But like the gar yeah. an average guardsman is actually a bad ass. Yeah. Right. They're like an American special force. Against yeah. other humans. And, like, <laughs> they, and they really are. Like if you read yeah. any of the, the fluff where they talk about your average guardsmen, they're like hardened soldiers, like really yeah. cool. Yeah. But then you have a space brain come in and just kill like 50 of them. Like, ah, dang it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if you have a 10 foot superhuman in power armor. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? I know. Uh, it's, it, or, like, <laughs> or like an Eldar, it's like a, a thousand year old. Like, right. Samurai master master the arts is everything. Yeah. And this guardsman's like, hold on. <laughs> and then it's funny yeah. too, because the last gun in the books is actually like a fearsome weapon. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah. You can shoot through like steel, Concrete. like, like yeah. stuff. Like it's a really good weapon, but in the game, you're just like, man. Well, it's, it's a lot better now. Yeah. The, the last, the, the humble last gun is better now than yeah. it's ever been because obviously it can wound anything, but right. also because first rank fire, second rank fire now gives them a mix of right. assault four. Yep. So it's damn near a storm bolter in right. efficacy, and that's one of the reasons why the average guardsman has gotten so much better. Yeah, and I always thought that was interesting with the guardsmen. Like in the game, you're like, oh my god, you just think well, of these humans as being weak, but like they're actually really good soldiers. They're professional <laughs> like, warriors, yeah. right? But um, their life expectancy on the battlefield is like what, 15 minutes or well, something? Well, no, they didn't. You know, they, they, it just they, depends they, on where they're fighting, but they, they said straight that, away from that. To, uh, yeah, like in the, there was a book like 15 minutes. They still die like horribly. Yeah, like they take awful casualties. They also yeah. talk about how like a lot of guard regiments will go to a planet and like quell a rebellion, 
and then because they've killed all the nobility and people who rule it, the regiment is like given the planet. Yeah, and so like over. so it's not like horrible, horrible being the guard, and and also. Um, those guys are much more well fed than most of the planets are coming from. Yeah. Um, a lot you of know, the planets you're about are hive like world. Terrible. People turn into like yeah. are turned yeah. into like robots and food and other stuff like that. Yeah. So like to become a guardsman, like they they really fight to be an off world like Astra Militarum. Of course, they still have the planetary defense forces, and those are just your run of the mill Joe schmoes. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of it for the fluff. That's where we are. I mean, it's just humans called in from all these different planets i really like in the fluff uh, if you're a fluff uh nut if you're a a fluffer you're a fluffer that's what we call them here uh if you're one of those guys um (laughs) they have a really good or gals that's true come on 2017 who are we talking to so um (laughs) if you if you like that stuff they have a really good portion of the book where they talk about the response of the imperium to like any kind of threat and it's basically like the harder you punch like an imperial like entity the harder the punch pack to you is going to get. And like, it's, it's like an escalating amount of force. So like you like invade a planet, like they'll call in the, the garrison forces and everything from the surrounding like nine planets for that. And then if you bring in more guys, they'll bring in more from them. And eventually, you know, it just keeps building and building and building. <laughs> right. Which I always thought, was, I thought that was really interesting that they talked about was that like, you know, every, anything that you do, you're just going to get smashed no matter what, because yeah. there's so many, planets and humans and they just will continue on yeah. and they won't stop it's unrelenting it's like oh, yeah, it's like sure. the tyranids or the orcs but it's for humans it's just not you just can't grind past yeah. it I, I like that from uh, the space marine video game where it's like the the planet's being attacked by orcs and it's like bring in more garrisons yeah no exterminatus no yeah. send in the space marines yes <laughs> and then like yeah then like three space marines survive save the planet now and all the other guards are like oh they have like broken arms yeah. <laughs> space marines just come in and just kill the warlord just in one hit. But, that's what we do this took you eight months <laughs> like one space marine these guys are weak yeah. he's all step one yeah. get it yeah <laughs> and he's like peace just jumps in the storm board he's all step off. two quit it he's like yeah <laughs> He's like, text me later. <laughs> He's all shake and bake. I think we've determined now that space brains are the F boys. <laughs> or, the, or the B boys. Yeah. Ooh. They just come in, save the day, bounce. See ya. See ya. Bye. Yeah. Bye, Felicia. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go pray. Well, that's true. Yeah. The life have you uh I think it was Gav Thorpe or um, <clears throat> It was Gaffthorpe or one one of those guys wrote the A Day in the Life of a Space Marine, mm-hmm. and it's it's so funny. It's like four a.m. wake up, pray. Yeah. Six a.m. like flagellate self for like negative thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> like eight a.m. train. Eight p.m. eat, pray. Yeah. <laughs> Twelve p.m. sleep for four hours. Yeah. Every single day. Like that. That's terrible. Yeah. That's what they do. That's, like, sure well, that's, that's why they're so excited when they go off the battle. Podcast, they're like, yeah. finally, get to yeah. shake this up. Man. I'm pretty sure Space Wolves don't follow that code. but Space Wolves just drink and party. laugh. Yeah, they get super drunk and then they go beat the crap out of everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ash Militarum have a really cool background. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I've always been drawn to like your average Joe. It's the good guys. It, it really is. They're I the mean, nameless, like, faceless. Just the humans. You know, to survive. You got a las gun. Good, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a 10 foot. He was a flak vest. 10 foot giant, yeah. you know, angry, evil version of a space marine. Go deal with it. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to aim for the eye socket. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they can't go through all of us. <laughs> My favorite. Swarm them. Yeah, then they do go through all of them. Like, 
there's more coming. Yeah. My favorite depiction of it was in uh, it was in Dawn of War One, the video game. Mm-hmm. Like in the first game, like there's a part where all of a sudden Ash Militarum come in and they're not a faction in the game, mm-hmm. but they come in and they're like swarm them, <laughs> and like twenty humans come out. And it's like a laser light show, just yeah. like you can't kill us all, drown them in our blood. <laughs> like damn, these guys are hardcore. <laughs> Chaos Space Marines like. Give me a break. But it works, but it works though. Yeah, they, they drown they them in like bodies. They yeah. overwhelm them. Well, it's yep. their only chance. You can't fight them on one Well, they have artillery and tanks. I mean, they, they, they are power. They have powerful it's, stuff. Except for Yark. It's you just, can take on a war boss. Yeah, well, like the orcs, they, the, the orcs yeah. respect Yark, but that's it. Yeah. One of my favorite things in Dawn of War is when they're shooting the autocannon and the guy drops the, the magazine in and you can see the shells yeah. cycling I haven't out. played that oh, game so much. Gosh, so good. At any rate... Uh, the Ash Militarum have a, a long and storied background, mm-hmm. awesome faction. One of the core uh, factions of the game. They've been around since the very beginning yep. and a lot of fun. Uh, in the book, you get a ton to, to be excited about uh, or a ton to not be excited about, depending on your perspective. But you get a lot of regimental doctrines, more than I expected to get. Um, you've got Cadia, who are kind of the ultramarines of the Ash Militarum. They're extremely good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get reroll ones to hit if they hold still. Now, unlike Space Marines, Regimental Doctrines, much like Astra, um, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus, works on vehicles too. Yeah. So their tanks also get reroll once to hit if they hold still. Now an added uh, benefit, infantry, if they get the uh, uh, take aim order, which would give you rerolls of once to hit normally, gives you uh, reroll all misses. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. It is extremely good. And the Cadian kind of like suite of abilities encourages you to hold still. Yeah. So the classic Ash Militarum, uh, play style of sit and blow the other guy away. Kadia is going to really give you a lot to do that with. Creed, their special character, can issue three orders. And his warlord trait, the Kadian trait, means on a four plus you affect another or, uh, you affect another unit with the same order. So he could hypothetically do six get six units orders, or with Kelly gets a bonus order, he could do eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Creed's a no brainer. If you're playing Kadian, you should take Creed, and you should also take Pask. No brainer. Task uh, is a monster. He is so good. Two orders. Tank commanders now can issue orders to, to tank commanders, which includes himself. And uh, uh, Pask is exceptional. And the Cadian unique order is a tank order. It lets you reroll the number of shots on the turret weapon. You're like a Cadishan. Yeah. So uh, if you don't take Pask, I feel like you're really missing out. It's BS2. And you take another Lehman Rust tank, he can issue you the most in order. Profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exceptional. Um, KD, I think, is going to be very popular. Uh, Katachan is the one I think everyone's going to be uh, probably drawn to at first because the they're the most obviously powerful. I don't think they're the best. Plus one strength is really good, like in the game, um, which there's a preview in the uh, show notes. Uh, Frankie and I played my Katachans versus his sisters of battle. Uh, very, very interesting game. Two mechanized close range armies. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Frankie played extremely well. But uh, that, that strength four really showed itself in that battle against T3 opponents. Yep. My sergeants with power swords were just getting it done. Yep. Uh, those that survived to actually do anything with them. Um, and uh, Capuchin, beyond that, gets you reroll uh, 1d6 for any weapon with a random number of shots. And that's for all of them, not just one. So uh, heavy flamers, uh, the turret weapon on the Lehman Russ, artillery, the basilisk, the wyvern, the, 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 the manticore. They're really good at that. Now, a lot of people are going like, why do they have good artillery? In, if you're a longtime Katachan player like me, mm-hmm. uh, second army I ever owned, I know you, first army for you, yep. the Katachans in the backstory actually have really good artillery teams because they yes. fight in jungle environments. They're, they usually don't even use tanks. 
Yeah. They use inf- they use elite infantry and artillery because in the jungle a tank's not that great. Yeah. yeah. But artillery is great because you shoot it over the trees and then you blow the people up. Yeah. So it's actually true to the backstory that they have really good artillery teams. Uh, for their Lehman Rust, I just kind of applied it to there too, which you know, yeah, yeah. Um, really good. Now for me, for my money, I actually think Talarn is going to give you the best like combined set of rules. Because uh, Katachan, like, obviously, rerolling a number of shots. Mm-hmm. Their order lets you reroll a number of uh, shots on flamers for infantry. And it takes away cover for that unit that they shoot at for a turn. It's all really good. Strachan's a badass. You can get, you know, uh, with a priest and Strachan, you can get plus two attacks on just your regular dudes. Now, all of a sudden, they're better than a Space Marine Assault Marine uh, in regards to damage output. Um, that's obviously pretty freaking good. It's not too shabby. For a... And I think their infantry squads where it's at. I think they're better than their conscripts. But yeah. um, and that, for fluff purposes, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, Catachins were always described as being like about, about seven foot tall, yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, like they're in the grab world, so they call them mini mini ogre. Well, they're right. basically from Australia. Like everything there is but trying like, to kill them. Super Australia. Yeah, Australians that don't drink. Ah, they're really in shape. Sit- yeah, <laughs> really in shape. They actually don't sound that fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's not as fun as normal Australians. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but but deadlier. It's yes. like if you crossed Crocodile Dundee mm-hmm. with the uh, Steve Irwin. And who's the other guy? From and the movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger. What's that movie that they did with the? They had the rifle. He's Australian. Oh. What was that guy's name? What? Quickly down under. Quickly down under. Quickly. Yeah, he is. Quickly down under. He's not. He's American. No, he's American. He played a better Australian than any Australian ever. No, he was was American. But he was in Australia, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, enough. It'd be like if or Africa. If you had a whole army of or South Africa. No, 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 they were in Australia. They were. You guys know the famous or New Zealand. You know the famous Australian criminal Chopper? No. Okay, he has an uneducated simpletons. El yeah. Chapo? No, Chapo. Not as familiar oh. with Australia as I should be, uh, obviously. Uh, Eric, what's his face? Eric Bannon, the guy who played um, Hector in Troy. Mm-hmm. That was his breakout role. Is he played? He's a famous Australian criminal, Chapo. It's actually really good. Anyway, mm. <laughs> new podcast <laughs> topic. On to Talon. Yeah. So, so I think Talon is actually the most well-rounded regiment, um, and they have a combination of rules that make them really good. They can advance and still shoot without a penalty. So you take just a basic infantry squad with a plasma gun and a plasma pistol. It's 52-point unit. They can move 6 plus D6 inches and then shoot their plasma gun and their plasma pistol with no uh, negative impact. And they can shoot their, their LAS gun. So if you have officers running around with them, you have these guys who are like running and gunning, first-rank fire, second-rank fire, or re-rolling ones to hit, all this crazy stuff. And they're cheap, right? So it's, it's really effective. And their, their custom stratagem lets them outflank three units. Now, as of right now, it works on any unit, including super heavies. I'm 99.99% certain that that's going to get FAQ'd. I doubt that that's intent. But you could do it. What I was talking about doing is with three Lehman Rust tank commanders. So you have them come on. Mm-hmm. So you give them all heavy flamers. The Talarn unique order is to shoot and then move or move and then shoot. And I know Tau players are... Like, oh, they get to jump, shoot, jump. Oh, even Russ yeah. Tank, but I don't. And I, I, uh, I feel I, for you. I feel for you. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, that does seem a little strange from that perspective. But it fits the Talorn backstory. They're supposed to be super mobile. And what you can do is you come on from a flank, move up, and then shoot all your heavy flamers. Or maybe you've got uh, multi-melters. Mm-hmm. You come on and your BS3, and they ignore the penalty for moving and shooting. Shoot all your multi-melters. Maybe yourself, give yourself a reroll once to hit. Or maybe come in, shoot at maximum range, and then fade back or go behind a wall. Uh, I think that combo is going to be extremely popular. 
Plus, you can take the dagger of Tusak, the relic, and a character and another infantry unit can also outflank. Mm -hmm. So you can take four veteran squads if you wanted to and have them all come out with plasma or, or, or uh, melt-a-guns. Yeah. And I think just generally speaking, Tuan's going to be very popular because your tanks want to take all the weapons and you move around shooting and just just being just badass, really. I would take tank commanders always with... with um, uh, Whereas yeah. with Katachan, from a lot of lot of play experience, I, I, my my opinion is that you take the cheapest Lehman Russ with a good turret gun and a heavy flamer or a heavy bolter, and that's it. Because Katachans, they want to be moving around. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, I think it's a good point to bring up. Like you're you're the best one to explain this because you do it to me all the time to my endless frustration. Everyone's like, oh, an army of Lehman Russes. It's actually not that good. We've tried it a lot. Yeah. And like, if you got the Alpha Strike and there wasn't enough terrain, it'd be really good. But if you're using an appropriate amount of terrain and your opponent's got uh, mobile elements and they're a good player, Frankie, all the time, I, my Lehman yeah. Russells will shoot once or twice in the game. Yeah, well, the amount of firepower they have is really powerful. But um, uh, as long as you have terrain, as long as you have fast-moving units um, and you can get beyond their screens, their tanks are really easy to take out because you charge from around a the corner. They can't mm -hmm. see you. They can't shoot you. You charge one of the tanks. Yep. Then you pile into the second or third one. Yeah. Um, and then all you have to do is just make base contact. They're not going to kill you the in close combat. Frankie move with the, well, with the your venoms. The yeah. best. Like all the venoms. Yeah. The best was I had two Lehman Russes next to each other. Yeah. Frankie had a model on. And for those of you listening, imagine two Lehman Russes, and then there's a model that's out of line of sight from the one on the right behind the one on the left, mm -hmm. charges the one on the right, and then piles back into the one on the left. Yeah. So neither one of them gets the Overwatch, and he didn't, there's no terrain. He yep. used one Lehman Rust to block line of sight to the other one, right. but then tagged them both in combat. I was like, God damn it. He does a lot, and that's a really good tactic. <laughs> it really is. Um, it really is. Guards are usually going to be clumped up fairly close they because are. you need to be close to something for an order. You need to be close to something for an aura ability. Well, you run out um, of space in your deployment zone. Right, because yeah. you have so much. Um, and so I would say if, if any kind of guard player, if you do want to go tank heavy, make sure you do have screens but because you're going to get locked up. You, you do, soon. but the thing is, like, like conscripts, like I, the thing, like I still hear people complaining about conscripts, and I do get it, and I do still think they're a little too cheap. I wouldn't mind seeing them go up like a point or right. have something, some other detriment. But if you don't have a way to kill conscripts, you are not playing competitive 40k. I don't know what to tell you, and mm -hmm. it's like every army is going to have screens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In this edition, so you need to build something into your list to kill them. Like yeah. that, you can't expect to play your fifth, your seventh ed army and not evolve and adapt and then be upset. Like you have to also take some responsibility. Yeah. But I mean like conscripts are really easy to kill. Like any army should be able to kill conscripts. I don't really see one that wouldn't be able to. But. I will interject here. Yeah. It is possible to cast psychic barrier, night shroud and use the take cover on them order to go up to three plus save minus one to hit conscripts. Yeah. That's a lot of resources put into saving a conscript squad, though. Exactly. Like, sure. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If your opponent's doing that, you probably don't have much to worry about. <laughs> it, it, that would be my other so, point. But yeah. you can make them tough. But they're only in units of 30 now. Again, I wouldn't mind. Right. I, I still think they might be a little too cheap, but... Uh, they are only T3. Yeah. And they only have a they five don't do, saver. They barely do any damage. Yeah, yeah. it's... They're easy to choose through, especially in comparison to some of the other screens out there. Which maybe we yeah. should move on to the actual screen unit of the Ash Militarum. Oh, God. Bolgren. Bolgren are And amazing. Crusaders. Crusaders, too. Crusaders are actually in their book. It's a bit weird. Interesting. Well, the priests were in there, and they're part of that. I think it's the Ecclesiarchy that's in the book now. 
There's a couple uh, Adeptus Ministorum units that are in the Ash Militarium Codex. I, I couldn't explain why. The Priest, I get. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. Crusaders is a bit of an anachronism. I don't know why they're there. Yeah, they don't Body really belong in the Ash Militarium. But, but they mean, get Acts of Faith. They have a Storm Shield. You can cast. They do have the Ash Militarium keyword. Mm-hmm. So you can cast Psychic Barrier on Crusaders have Acts of Faith? They, they, they no, do. Well, it's, they, it's, they, do they really? They have, it's sure. right there on their data sheet. They have like things they can do. So like, I don't know if huh. Axe for faith. 15 points, you get a T3 model with a Storm Shield and a Power Sword that gets Axe of Faith and that you can use Psychic Powers on it. So that's a really good screen. But what really, let's just cut to the chase. Bolgren are, I think they're one of the top five, maybe even top three best units in the game. Oh, 100%. They're so good. It's ridiculous. They're resilient. They hit like a truck. Now, they're not that slow. They're compared, really, really good. How do you compare them to Grey Knight Terminators? Oh, well... Oh, uh, that's uh, too. I mean, what? That's does the rubric com- that we've you know, established if, here. What does yeah. compare to if they fought each other? That's what you got to ask yourself. A hundred different fights. I think the Grey Knights might be able to pull out one of those fights. Oh. Actually, you know what? Though? I think one on one, one on one with no buffs. I think the Grey Knight Terminators would actually beat them. Uh, mm. I think that they are the better mm. unit. No. Without buffs, with buffs. So you say Bolgren are out of Bulgren. one to five Grey Knight Terminators. How would you rate those? Uh, on a scale of one to five, they're ten. Ten Grey Knight Terminators, <laughs> yes. pretty good. Okay, that's the new rubric that we're going by. So, 100%. I mean, Frankie, like throughout the playtesting process up until playing for fun, where we're at now, I, we've played dozens of games because I'm a Catachan fanboy. Like, I'm totally open about that. And Catachans in the fluff, like, love Ogren and Bolgren. They're like homies. Yeah. Right. They get along, and so I always use them because it was fluffy. But it also turns out that they actually kick the shit out of you. And the unit just does not die. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. T5, they're three powerful. wounds, and then you mix in the four plus plus, two plus shields uh, with Psychic Barrier, Night Shroud, and Take Cover. You can get a two plus a vulnerable save. You can get minus one to hit and shooting. Um, with shooting, it's very difficult to kill them. Melee is really where you, you're more likely to kill them. And they do die. They're not invincible. They're obnoxiously tough. But uh, the key to that is killing the Psychers that buff them up. If you can do that, they're actually not they're, they're, they're not that hard to deal with. Um, and you've killed them in melee with a bunch of, like, Archons and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You can kill them in close combat, but it does take a long time. <laughs> they are a super screen. They're very resilient. They're a super screen. I think conscripts might, you might still be able to make an argument for points efficiency and how much real estate they take up. But the Bulgarian, I just feel like they're just better. Well, the, the Bulgarian can go out, get you points. They can go kill stuff. They can grab you objectives. Yeah. There's a scary unit, like... They're, they're not only resilient, they hit like a truck. So you can't really engage them in close combat unless you want to get your butt kicked. So Yeah, on the charge with a priest supporting, which you should always, with the Bulgarian, you should always have a priest and a psyker, probably two, behind them to, to get the most uh, impact. On the charge, each Bulgarian gets five attacks, each one of which is an auto cannon hit. Yeah, it's minus it's one, strength seven, two, two damage. damage. I mean, in our game with the Death Guard, they took Mortarian full strength. Full strength to the face, two died. And then they backed up and I blew Mortarian away. Because yep. the Vengeance for Kadia stratagem is bananas. It's pretty good. One command point, if you're targeting Chaos units, you reroll all hits and wounds. Not bad. Not bad. Can you say uh, Super Heavy Tank? <laughs> pretty good. So the other regiments, um, we're running a little long, so we're not going to like plow through all of them. Make sure to read that article, because mm-hmm. it's really pretty comprehensive if I do see them so, so myself. Um, but suffice it to say, you're really going to want to study it because this army, it's going to be like fifth edition when guards sucked always, they always were crap. They, they literally were never good until fifth edition. And then 
all of a sudden it turns out everyone and their mom has an Astro Militarum army. Mm-hmm. Like you went to a tournament and it was like one out of every three players was Ash Militarum. Yeah. You're like, what the, the codex came out last week. Yeah. Hey, it turns out everybody likes the army and has one. Yeah. So be prepared for it. Um, yeah. Think about how you're going to deal with it. Think about how you're going to paint your army. That's what we should talk. We should touch on that because everyone should, yeah. is talking about uh, what if you want to mix regiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we've been saying since day one in eighth edition, uh, you need to be able to clearly differentiate to your opponent who is whom, because it's going to be very tempting to go, oh, I want all my heavy weapon squads to be Cadian because they're better, and I want to, oh, I want to paint up Creed because he's cool, and then they're going to be in the back. But I want my assault troops to be Catachan because they're good at that. Oh, and I want to outflank some Talaran tanks. Mm-hmm. They can't all be painted the same. It's not fair to your opponent. Um, so do what you got to do. One of the things I was thinking about doing for my Lehman Rushes, I was going to print out flags for each regiment mm-hmm. and then put them on a magnetized flagpole. And then I could stick the flag on like, oh, okay, all my Lehman Rushes are going to be Talaran. Yeah, they're painted the same color, but they all have a Talaran flag sticking up in the air. It's impossible to miss. Those look great. It better be like formation. this big and about this tall. Yeah, so you can never, to, I can never hide my tank. They yeah. have to be obnoxious. The, so, the tank's going to go, uh, the flies are going to go back. They better wave. So yeah. that I can hide. The actual flat, like the flies they use in the golf course, like, yeah. like about this big. Yeah. Which is another thing. It. We should also talk about uh, making decorative elements not count for shooting from or to, because that also sucks. You don't want to punish somebody for making something look cool. Well, it's funny because some models are just modeled hilariously, like the Seraphim Sergeant with her sword up in the air like yeah. this. I'm She's like, on her tippy toes, too. It's like, ah, I'm like, I would use you to charge, but you're just going to get shot because yeah. everybody can see you. Yep. She's just like waving. She's like, shoot me. That's a rule that you should expect to see coming out pretty soon. Um, Do you think that'll be in, uh, in the chapter approved? Uh, I doubt GW will address that. Like, mm-hmm. I think... I think that they put the rules in there the way they are for simplicity's sake. Yeah. But for tournament play, it's like you don't want to punish people for making the model look cool. Right. Like every emperor's champion, their arm gets broken, and now they're like this. Yeah. Like uh, I've seen or I've heard reports of people at events breaking banners off their models so that you can't see them before like, the on. game yeah. starts. Yeah. Let me move this model real quick. Bye. Yeah, and, oh. and that's not cool. Yeah. Right? Like uh, that's not fun. Um, but I think that would make the game more fun because it is a hobby too. Well, it is really funny that you're shooting somebody from like an antenna and, and you kill the whole shot unit. at yeah. because your antenna yeah. can be seen. You're like, what? No or world. you put like a back banner on your tactical sergeants, which I do because it looks cool and it's absolutely stupid for gameplay. Yeah. Right. And it's, that's not fun. But it does make the game a lot simpler. Yeah. So anyway, when you're uh, playing Ash Militarum, uh, just bear in mind that they're going to have that sweet combination of lots of troops and lots of tanks. That can be difficult to deal with. But if you every army out there has the means to do it, you want to plan for that. And uh, ask us questions. Drop questions in the comment section. Let us know. Um, and we're happy to help you guys. If you are worried that Ash Militarum might be a bit much for you, why don't you throw us some questions and we'll be happy to answer them to help you feel more confident. Because... I promise you the sky is not falling. This is not as bad as people think it is. Just breathe. Yeah. Yep. Just, just like uh, that one song. Emperor, take the wheel, dude. You know? Yeah. Just trust in the emperor. Trust in the emperor. And at any rate, the SoCal Open is coming up. We only have about three weeks to go, a little less than that, actually. It's just come up so quickly. And we had a really fun terrain build weekend. Thank you so much to everybody that came. We had people that came all the way from Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun. We sat around shot the bowl, we put together a ton of terrain, and uh, we really want to say thank you to everybody that helped. We're going to have another terrain build weekend this coming weekend and then the following weekend. Those are the last two weeks before the event. Mm-hmm. So if you do want to come by Frontline Gaming, 
we get pizza and bagels and coffee and, and soda. Uh, we listen to some music. It's actually pretty fun. Um, it's not a fun task, but it's fun because you're hanging around with other people. Yeah, come yeah. terrain and chill. Terrain, terrain and chill. And chill. Mm-hmm. Um, As the kids said. Jason will take you back to his place. For some Netflix. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, and hopefully we get uh, another uh, great turnout these next few weekends so that we can make sure to have just really cool terrain. Yeah. And big thank you to GW. They uh, supported the event with some terrain, too. Yeah. So we have some really cool stuff, stuff we normally wouldn't get, like um, the giant bases, and it's going to be neat. Okay. Um, we had posed a question to the SoCal Open 40K community on our Facebook group and on the Frontline Gaming blog whether they wanted to use our current ITC and Nova Open and Renegade Open missions kind of mixed up, or if they wanted something new because we've been working for a while now on new ITC missions built specifically for 8th edition. We feel that the old missions, are still they still work, they're still fun, but they're more geared towards 7th edition and they have some deficiencies in 8th edition. Um, so we, we basically started over from scratch, but we did take a lot of elements from what worked in the old mission sets that still works in eight. And uh, it was funny because it was a unanimous and very enthusiastic, yes, let's use new missions. So uh, we're gonna kick that into high gear and uh, we're gonna try our best because we've got the missions written, they're still in a draft form. And we're gonna do our best to get those out there this week so people can start playtesting them and give us any feedback so that we can make adjustments into next week and then finalize it going into the event. But it sounds like everybody wants something new. Yeah. We've been playing the old Ivan missions for a long, like years now, so I get it. And they, they don't, it's like... It's great change. Like, some of the missions, like the Relic, and I even would argue kill points just don't really work in 8th edition. Um, it's time for a change. A lot of the missions just didn't translate very well. So. The random Maelstrom, just, I don't like it anymore. I know it really never did. Um, but we were trying to stay close to the book. And in tournament play, especially in 8th edition where the game is so deadly, like you really need to have more control over what's happening. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna, that is what we're going to do. If you're coming to the SoCal Open, please be prepared for that. Uh, and we're going to get those out there at least in like a beta format so people can start playtesting them and giving us feedback ASAP. I'm going to try and get it done this week. Um, we've been playtesting them and we've enjoyed them. So. Yep. Also, we've been working on a league here, a 40K league uh, for Frontline Gaming. And eventually I'm sure we're going to do Age of Sigma 2, but we just want to get a pilot program going. So we're gonna start a uh, 40K league here. We've been working on this for a couple months. And the, the aim for this is to be easy, fun. You can play here at FLG, you can play at home, no big deal. Um, we're gonna run uh, over eight weeks, two months. And we decided to start the first week of the league, uh, the first week of November. Mm-hmm. Um, we have too much going on with SoCal Open uh, in the meantime, but we will open it up for signups from now until then. Get the format out, all that fun stuff. And uh, we're going to be running a northern uh, San Diego and a southern San Diego uh, division. And the, uh, the objective here is not to compete with any other local leagues. There's some leagues here that have been running for a long time. They're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not trying to like take anybody away from those. We encourage those, and we want those to run for a long time and be very successful. But we've been talking about this for a long time, and we would like to build this into something like nationwide, possibly. Uh, but we need to get started. Yep. And we're really excited about it. So any, any, anybody's welcome to join. In in San Diego. Yeah. I mean, if you're willing to drive to San Diego every week. <laughs> right. I think, yeah, make sure that we mention that because as soon as the podcast is over, we're going to get a bunch of emails saying if yeah. people can join in Virginia. No. In San well, Diego, I mean, it's can, a local. You can join thing. in spirit. And yeah. they can fly in. You, you can fly, If you game. have the money and the resources to fly in every week. Come on in. Can I work for you? <laughs> hey. And, can I work for you? Um, yeah, come join us. But it's going to be fun. And like this first pilot league is going to kind of work out the kinks. We're thinking something really simple, like 10 bucks 
to join and all, all of the money goes to prize support. We're gonna get like trophies and a bunch of fun stuff. And uh, we'll have like, uh, you can come play here or you can play at home, you can play at another store, we don't care. Um, and the idea is just, just to get people involved, build community mm-hmm. and, and have fun. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be really, really, really simple. Like super mega simple, like we're gonna play ITC missions. Basically gonna be like training for going to tournaments. Yeah. And it'll be fun, you know, like we could have, uh, you know, at the end of the league, we can go meet up to watch the championship game. The idea is to have a champion from this, the northern and southern leagues play each other. Maybe we can have an ice cream social. It'd be cool if we could get like a local bar or something to host That's it. That's what I was thinking. And then you could have like them play in the bar and then everybody else there like yeah. have a good time. And then we, everyone else could come and play and then we yeah. can bullshit and it's just fun. It's a community building thing. Like, mm-hmm. And we want it to be as easy as possible. Yeah. Like bring your 2,000 point match play army, get some practice runs in, meet some new friends. And uh, the, the kind of the grand vision for it is that maybe if it, if it works, if people like it, it's conceivable. Maybe a couple of years down the road, we could have like a national, uh, or including our, our Canadian friends too. And it's possible that if there's like a, a East Coast, West Coast, or whatever, um, Eastern Western champion, that we could even fly them out to play on stream. Be right, because cool. just doing that for two people is an acceptable expense, mm-hmm. and it would be very exciting. So, this is step one. Um, Cut a hole. Yeah. So keep it, keep your eye on Frontline Gaming, and we're gonna get the ball rolling here this month, and we're gonna start next month. Um, super simple. Should be a lot of fun, and I uh, can't wait to see who wins because it's gonna be me. Mm. You're not a lot of play. I am still leveling back up to full tournament strength. I have no problem admitting that. It's a slow level. It is. It's a slow I used to be so good. And now I'm like, I'm, I feel like uh-huh. I'm still really good, but every now and then I make these like mistakes where I'm like, that's lack of experience right there. Um, at any rate, uh, we have a bunch of events going on this weekend per usual. We have three GTs and a major this weekend. Major. That is crazy. Like events are growing. We might have to actually raise the bar. Nah. So we'll, no, we'll no more uh, events in people's garages and stuff? Well, that's the other thing on leagues I forgot to mention. Leagues count for ITC points. A lot of people don't know this. Mm-hmm. The only thing with leagues is we don't count the round modifier because a lot of leagues go like 10, 12 rounds. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it blows the math of the system. So what that means is that you don't get as many points for a league, but you still do get points. And it would only ever count as an RTT because in order to be a GT or a major, you need five or more rounds. So since we don't count the round modifier, it can only ever be an RTT score. So yeah. if you have a league, you, you can still jump in and, and count for ITC points. Just let us know. Uh, but we have the Battle for Salvation. It's coming up. That's a great long-running event. Yep. Uh, great guys run this event. It's a lot of fun. A lot of our buddies on the East Coast are getting excited and they're gearing up to go. Uh, we also have ClawCon in St. Robert, Missouri. Yeah. We also have a major event, the Michigan GT, run by our buddies. Uh, another awesome event. That's in Lansing, huge. Michigan. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's a big event. And the Salt City Gladiator Games 40K GT in Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. also run by really good friends of ours. Another great event. You're spoiled for choice. If you want to go out and get something, get, get some points this weekend, you have a lot of options all around the country. Oh, yeah. Also, we have a bunch of Age of Sigmar events coming up this month. Almost all of them in California. No, two, two no. in California. Oh, two. Okay. One in Canada. Yeah. Nice. One, one in, in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, in Philly. That's good. Nice. Yeah. 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 I got a tip of our hat too. There's a really strong Age of Sigmar community, um, kind of uh, spearheaded by uh, Chuck, and they, they're really pushing to organize and get the ball rolling. And uh, we applaud them. Yes. We got your guys' back, and I can't wait to see what they they do with the Age of Sigmar community. Yeah. Get out there That's and play exciting. with those dragons. Yeah. Roll them dice. 
Golden Bones. Stop at the robots. And Shadespire is coming out, and we will be playing, so it'll yep. be a lot of fun. Uh, for current 40K ITC standings, uh, top 10, Nick Nanavati continues to lead, but Andrew Gagno is nipping at his heels. Battle for, Battle for Salvation is going to shake this up a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, and Andrew's only four points behind Nick, so uh, chaos followed by Ashimoto Town. Boom. They've been kind of kicking everyone's ass lately, and... Uh, we'll see if that continues or changes. Mm -hmm. It's funny, we were talking about this yesterday. The Space Marine Codex is really good, but it is definitely a thinking man's army. Oh, yeah. It does not 100%. have the raw power, but it does have the ability to beat those armies. Yeah. Uh, Sam Henley in third, Ian Andrew in fourth, Adrian Gennard in fifth, Paul the Loser McKelvey dropping down to sixth place. Just everyday look. Like a hot rock. Oof. Just <laughs> plummeting down. Yeah, come on, guys. Get him out of here. <laughs> I'm tired, tired of talking about his name on this thing. He doesn't even play anymore. Uh, <laughs> And that's a Tau player for, for yep. those of you out there. He has been crushing people. It's funny, his score on the Tau ranking is like 100 points over the next guy. Jeez, yeah. Just crushing. Um, uh, and Adrian Gennard's sister's a battle player. So there's a lot of diversity up there. Uh, Aaron Along is in seventh. Brandon Grant in eighth. Tyler DeVry in ninth. Grey Knight. Grey Knight. And Ash Military. Ish. He's 50-50. I think it's a really cool army, actually. He, mm -hmm. he, uh, he and I played. He played the Rhino. Ooh. Really? The Rhino got him. The rhino got the him. The rhino got him. He got the horn. He, dude, he, got, he, he, he got He horned. yanked that horn and he got Ooh. poked. Yep. Don't don't mess. <laughs> got poked. Andrew Ford in 10th. Age of Sigmar. Sam Valdez continues to lead the pack, followed by Vlad the Impaler. Zach Lopez in 3rd. James Thomas in 4th. Joe Creer in 5th. Uh, Joe is coming out to Southern California for the SoCal Open. Ooh. Joe is new to us, I think. I think we we have some movement. Yeah, he is a really good Midwestern player. He's also an excellent painter. And he's yeah. also um, like super into Age of Sigmar. And he's also very handsome. He, is a he has a lot of cool tattoos. He looks like he might ride a skateboard around. He listened to a lot of Avril Lavigne when he was. He's also very wealthy. <laughs> I don't think he's uh, old so enough to So if any of you women are out there uh, listening, <laughs> makes mm -hmm. a lot of money. Uh, Jared Zizueta in sixth. Michael Birch in seventh, Josh Harvey in eighth, Tyler Hamill in ninth, ten, David Rogers. You know what also is really interesting? The top three guys, they're all paint their own armies, and their armies are beautiful. Yep. Well, you know what? Forget and they're all guys, fanatics. Right? James Thomas's army is not beautiful, but he's a beautiful person. So oh, we'll forgive him for that. Take that. Uh, we were recently completed Infinity Commission from the FLG Paint Studio. Wowzers. That what? chick has some attitude. Who did that? She What's has some attitude. She does. Yeah, that's a high-level Infinity project, um, unique paint scheme uh, to match what the client had already had. Um, these are really super close, but like even at that closeness, you see the detail put into these models, yes. which is, is what you want to look at when you're when you're zoomed in that closely on a camera. Look at the details still. I mean, you can pick it out. It's fantastic. So if you're looking to get an infinity project done, uh, we do infinity at high levels. Um, we have a lot of good artists who love to do infinity yeah. at a reasonable price. So hit us up. Absolutely. Yep. And then we also have a paint stream going on tonight. Paint uh, stream. Because paints. Boom. Keeping it. We changed the time. Keeping it uh, slushy. Slushy. Saucy, yeah. I thought. Oh, I don't know. Or no, Kenny, I thought it was frosty. Well, Kenny took spicy. No, it's Icy. 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 So we were like, Brandon, you got to come up with a cool tagline, like keep it spicy. I said keep it frosty. I thought keeping it spicy was pretty good because you could say it really sassy-like. Yeah, and he can really? eat like a spicy food when he's saying it. Yeah. Or like have sriracha. Brandon, I know you're listening to this. But, uh, <laughs> he'll, have... be, he'll be painting Paint up. the models with sriracha. <laughs> oh, yes. there you go. I'm keeping it spicy. Eat sure. a hot dog while you're painting. See, what? now we're going. That's what I want to see. <laughs> 
But just make Brandon, sure it's, it's, Brandon will be streaming sure at 5 p.m. Pacific minutes. Standard Time. Uh, he's going to be painting up a yep. Celestine something. Uh, he's doing a Stormcast Eternal. Uh, it's one of the characters, the bird one. Boom. The bird um, one. Birdman. He's doing that tonight at 5. And that's yeah. a commission, so you can watch how it's done. Yep. And he shows you some cool techniques and answers questions. So go ahead and jump in there. 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Trimwolf. Joe Kerr is also running the Renegade Open Age of Sigmar event. Awesome. Boom. It's always good to see people getting in there and helping to move their community forward. Uh, DRK underscore TV. Harlequin, does the pure Harlequin army ever stand a chance against a competitive guard list? It just seems like Ashmore Terran slaughter low model count armies. Mm. Um, Harlequins, if you're using enough terrain, Harlequins are amazing. They're, they're so super duper good. And because their transports are actually really hard to kill with artillery, they're like extremely difficult to kill with artillery. They're minus one to hit normally, yeah. and, and they're hitting on four. And they have an invulnerable save. Yep. Um, and then the, the the harlequins, if you're out of your transport, you are waiting to die. So you got to get them into melee, get them onto those vehicles, stop them from shooting, and um, you you can totally win that game. And if you run them the way that people around here run them with melta pistols. You get in there, you'll kill their characters, you yep. kill their vehicles, and you can totally, totally take them out. And you should be able to shred the infantry. Oh, yeah. No, Harlequins, in my opinion, would have no problem beating guard as long as there's terrain on the table. If it's playing at bowling ball, it's going to be a lot more difficult. But their melt pistols, plus how fast their vehicles move, plus your minus one to wound them as long as their Shadow Seer is still alive. They get rerolls to wound uh, because of their uh, troop masters. They will tear apart uh, guard. You just have to have yeah. a strategy for surviving the first turn. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you do, and if you have enough terrain, it shouldn't be a problem. Yep. Uh, Eldrad Jr., that's a really interesting uh, suggestion. That might be something that you could be seeing uh, in the near future from Fortnite Gaming. Yep. Uh, Access Entropy, thank you very much for subscribing, man. Ooh, Captain Solus, uh, I have Katachan Scout Sentinels to serve as a screen for my Gene Sealer Cole Army. Rerollable Heavy Flamers is fantastic. Yeah, I use three in every single list. That you, Frankie kills them right away now because he knows how good they are, but against players who are not familiar, my Sentinels will run around charge blocking, killing your scoring units, getting me points. They're easily one of the best things in, in my army. Uh, but unfortunately now Frankie knows and blows them up right away because they're not very hard to kill. Uh, Chaotic Paul, Frankie, how would you alter your Death Guard list if you were to play Reese's IG list again? Um, well, I'm talking about uh, redoing my Death Guard list instead of taking a bunch of Poxwalkers. I'm going to take Nurglings. Because um, the way that Cloud of Flies actually works is you can hide your Nurglings, and as long as they're the closest model, you can't actually shoot the Plague Marines. You so it's super powerful. Um, but in the battle report where Reese and I played, um, I probably could have played the game a little bit smarter and kept my army back because uh, I was up on missions and just played to end game and tried to stay away. But I was like, oh, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go try to kill them. So I ran everything up. But when you get really close to guard, their firepower really starts to turn up because they have all the heavy flamers hitting you, all their las guns, and then the guardsmen themselves being strength four. So I don't. I, I play a close range guard army, but like typically you don't. But first ring fire, second ring fire is deadly once yeah. you get close. Um, Eldrad Junior, no guardian defenders are not okay to use as I'm sorry uh, as storm guardians. Um, uh, it's too different. A guardian defender has a gun. A storm guardian has two melee weapons. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a kit, it's a conversion kit. So if you're looking um, on our website or Games Workshop or wherever you want to buy it, um, you need, it's a chainsword and a pistol, and then they have flamers and, and fusion guns too. Uh, Storm Guardians are amazing. I think yeah. they're way better than Guardian Defenders. Uh, but no, unfortunately, that's not an acceptable substitute. Um, 
you can find those conversion kits. It's don't, you have to look it up. Sometimes the names don't match right now. It's, it is confusing, especially with Forge World stuff. Yep. People are like, oh, they don't have this kit. And I'm like, they do, but it for some weird reason has a different name. I don't know why. Uh, in the book as opposed to the model kit. Um, so yeah, uh, look for the conversion kit. I think you'll find what you're looking for. Uh, Rip Crew, uh, what's your top strategy for beating Mortarian and Magnus with guard? Uh, vengeance for Kadia stratagem, A, number one. Very and then powerful. Ass kicking, uh, shooting unit of your choice. Like all of the guard um, super heavies went down. Not all of them went down in points, but they all got better. Uh, a, a shadow sword, bare bones, is only 404 points. And that's pretty good, but I, I really think the, the Bane Hammer with the Trimmer Cannon is the best tool you could possibly take because it, if you hit them, they move half speed, they're, they're dead, especially yeah. if you go first. It's like, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. Uh, but um, what I killed Mortarian with in our last game, uh, I, I, I tanked him with a Bulgren, I backed up, all my veterans with melted guns went up, pop, um, uh, reroll once to hit, reroll once to wound, possibly your Vengeance for Cadia, and they blew him away with melted guns. Yeah. Um, let's see. Geekmaster K, so with basing being part of paint standard for ITC, is there a guideline for what counts as paint? Uh, I was planning on using GW Technical Agrath Earth as uh, cracked earth bases. Yeah, that's totally fine. What so we fun. mean as basing is pretty much anything on the base. Any material. As long as it's not like just a black base or like a primed base. See, like, I'm actually okay with a black base if the whole army has clean black painted bases yes because i've seen people make the whole army just on black bases and it looks sharp yeah and again with that that's going to come down to like if your army looks like crap and you clearly didn't do anything you're like oh i'm going for the black base theme i'm like no no you're not mm -hmm. but if you're like i want my army to really be on display on the pedestal of the base and they're a nicely painted army totally cool but typically speaking like frankie said Put some flock on it. You can flock your whole army in an hour. Yeah. We've or just done put it sand on. Or you can paint. Sand. You can paint them brown, like okay. I used to do, like to pre-base, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, it's just you make it look uniform, make it look nice. So Clear base. An hour, maybe two hours. Oh, it takes no time. It takes uh, no time. And if you want to do the technical paint from GW, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, Mad Cow Crazers, uh, what about clear bases? Yeah, clear bases would be totally fine. Because you, you took well, the effort. flight stand bases yeah. too. I mean, that's... Well, some people put the clear... Um, so it looks like they're walking or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I it's not, very, it's not very common, but <laughs> yeah. you do see it. And yeah, that's cool because you you got custom bases. Yeah, it's, it's totally okay. cool. Uh, dope fish. <laughs> nice to see you online. Would you time. perhaps enjoy? Uh, what do you like? He's asking. What uh, are you into? I can't tell, but what kind of orc army, uh, as competitive as you can, would you take against a guard army? Orcs, I think, are really well suited uh, for fighting um, Ash Militarum. Now, orcs unfortunately are susceptible to artillery armies. That is that is a bad matchup. However, with the rise of minus one to hit armies, Alpha Legion, Stygis, Raven Guard, I think Guard players are going to be taking less artillery because in general terms, it's going to be less effective. But yeah, if you're if you're an Orc player, yeah, you do not want to see a million artillery pieces across the table from you. No. Um, you do get pretty good defense with your uh, Kef and uh, Pain Boy. I recommend always taking those two. Mm -hmm. So you get a five plus plus followed by a six plus. Uh, that helps a lot. Um, but really, right now, the best way to play orcs, in my opinion, is just to go shit tons of boys and storm boys. And if you can get across the table, and actually, uh, killer cans are really good, too, because mm -hmm. they're durable little bastards, and they hit on fours, and they have rockets, which are really good for killing tanks. Um, if you can get across the table, you want to see something that will kill a unit of conscripts? <laughs> Orc boys do it real quick. Yeah. Because uh, you can get up to five attacks a boy. 
Oh, they're nasty. They're nasty. You just blow, you just rip them apart. I'm sure when their codex comes out, you're going to see a lot of ways to get them across the table fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'll have to be a part of it. So just be patient, I'd say, too. I, you, you said it. Yeah. Orcs, I think, are one of the better index armies, honestly. I just, I don't know why more people don't play them, but they're very good. Cool. All right, guys. So looks like everyone's just chatting amongst themselves. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, we do have a really fun battle report coming for you Monday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you haven't gotten your tickets for the SoCal Open, please do so. Las Vegas Open is also filling up. 40K champs. We sold a ton of tickets this week for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And we are down. We are coming down to the dregs. There's not a lot of tickets left. So yep. please make sure to grab those as well. And if you want to grab an Astro Militarium Codex, you can do so at a discount from Frontline Gaming. And until next week, we hope you guys have a great week. Play some games, poke some rhinos, and we'll see you next week. All right, guys. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Reese with Signals from the Frontline, and today I have a special guest, Mr. Zach Zach, from, <laughs> from the London GP. I thought I, I'd escape that. that was, was, was that a mistake, or did you do that on purpose? No, no, I've been up at, until, I think, 4 or 5 a.m. drinking with, I think, you and Mike, actually. <laughs> so I was typing, typing my name into the Nova registration, um, still very, very drunk from the night before. Um, but, no, it was a complete mistake. It just um, it auto-corrected me, and I've just hit my name twice. So, yeah, and for those of you who don't have context for this joke, at the Nova Open, where Zach did really well with uh, Howling Banshee, Yanari, which was uh, uh, probably a story for another interview, but that was pretty impressive. Um, his name was entered in wrongly as Zach Zach Becker. So when uh, <laughs> when you won your um, uh, your heat, um, you got your trophy and they called it out as <laughs> I think it was like you were heat three or something like that. Um, uh, winner was Zach Zach. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So anyway, we're here to talk about your event, which is quickly growing into the largest 40K singles event in uh, the UK and Europe, and that is the London GT. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's been pretty, pretty exciting stuff um, growth-wise. Um, you know, we sort of set up just trying to run a big, big 40K event uh, for sort of Londoners um, and people that were interested in 40K. And I think in year two, we already eclipsed um, – the European Singles Championship, which was the, the largest singles event in Europe, um, so we're already there. Albeit the, the bar was was quite was quite low. Um, what we're trying for now is um, trying to beat you guys to the top. I think uh, if if we get <laughs> if we get uh, where, where we're predicting, I think we'll probably end up being the second largest singles 40k event um, in the world, hopefully. Yeah, and, and, and that would be super exciting, and uh, we love the friendly uh, competition because what motivated us uh, for the LVO was to try and make an event bigger than Adepticon and Nova, and we didn't even, we, we were like, oh, I can't, that's not possible, but then we're like, well, what if what if you could do the 300, and we would joke, like, is it even possible to get 500 people, and it turns out that it is, so mm. uh, we wish you success in that venture, and if you do eventually leapfrog us one day, then you can bet your bottom uh, pound <laughs> that we will definitely try to to to, to one up you uh, in in a spirit a spirit of friendly competition. But uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to end up being you know a tournament for tournament organizers. So we can all battle it out to see who can uh, draw the biggest crowds. 
Yeah, and it's fun. And the thing is, is that when you do that, everybody wins, right? Like the community wins and it's fun. It's exciting. It gives people something to look forward to. And, and I think that's a ton of fun. And I, I plan on coming to the London GT. Um, London's a wonderful, obviously it's a world-class city and it's a ton of fun. And the event looks like it's a blast. Uh, why don't you give us some information about the who, what, where, when, why, all that good stuff of the event for the people that are listening? Yeah, so what is uh, pretty simple. We started life as a, a large 40K tournament and since grown into a, a War Games convention like Nova or Adepticon or, or the LVO. So we've got uh, a lot of events that we've added uh, this year. So we've got 40K Age of Sigmar, narrative 40K events, um, Blood Bowl. Uh, we're running a Necromunda campaign weekend, which I think will be the first event of its type in the world. And, um, yeah, it's just all sorts of organized gaming over the weekend of May 19th and 20th in 2018. Ticket sales go live on the 1st of November via our website, which is lgtpresents.co.uk. Um, so that's sort of the, the general details. Um, but there's a lot more going on this year, which is actually what I'm spending most of my time on organizing. Um, we've got a big raffle for, for commission painters to, to sort of market their products and they're de donating a ton of stuff uh, that will be raffled off, uh, which I think will be great because you get to put on a bit of a sort of hobby interest type stuff as well as um, providing you know, fantastic prizes for people entering the events and the raffle. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm trying to organize at the moment, which is, is basically a bit of theatrics around the event. So we will go and we'll play games and we look at exhibitions and painted stuff and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the game we play is really immersive and, and uh, I don't think feel like that translates into the sort of environments we play games in, like the big convention halls don't really mirror the grim, dark uh, 41st millennium. So we're trying to sort of bring a bit of uh, the immersive experience of um sort of that a theater can provide and and bring that into the actual venue and the activities going on themselves so that's uh something i'm working on at the moment that'll be a bit of a surprise over the course of the weekend if we can pull it off uh but it's definitely it's going to be something that will be very unique to the event i don't know of anyone else doing that at the moment that's really cool and i think that's a great idea frankie and i have talked about doing something similar for lvo uh many many times but as you know um there's so much to do with just basic logistics and organization, especially making terrain, that it can be quite challenging to get that extra pizzazz. But I think if you guys do pull that off, it's really going to be cool because all of us, even if, you know, in this community, even if we're not necessarily oriented towards, I don't know, cosplay or whatever, we all appreciate it and we like it. And we do love the setting that the game takes place in. So, that would be cool, and I'm excited to see it if it is something that works out because um, I think that that would indeed give your event a special kind of uh, panage, like a little something extra to make it feel even more immersive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're we're competitive gamers, me and you. You know, we, we can go to an event no matter where it is and we'll enjoy the, the competitive game. But, you know, as, as you know, vast majority of people that attend the organized play events don't intend to or aspire to win it. They just want to come and have a bunch of fun. So anything that we can do to add to their enjoyment of the event is really where, you know, the most added value comes. So it, it, that's what I tend to spend most of my time on. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I tell that to aspiring TOs all the time. It's 
the really competitive people, the joy for them comes in the competition. That that's that's all, that's really all they need to be happy and have a good time. So the the people that are coming that are more casual, those are the people that you really want to to orient your event towards. Now make it fun for the competitive player. Like definitely have a fun balanced mission set and all that. But um, if you can if you can appeal to the person that only gets the opportunity to play a couple times a month and really wants to just go and have a good time and meet meet new friends and you facilitate that, that's fun for everybody that comes. Everyone has more fun uh, in a social environment. So I think that that's a really good strategy. So, Zach, what about uh, the meta at present? I know you're a very highly skilled uh, player. You're an ETC player. Um, and I know that uh, the Ash Militarum Codex kind of landed with a splash this week, and there's people that are having some very strong reactions to it. I was curious to get your perspective on that book and if you think it's going to dominate the meta as some naysayers are saying nay, or if you think that it's simply going to be a very good book, uh, or what's your perspective on it? Um, well, I think it will definitely um, have an influence on the meta. I think we wrote an article on our blog um, a while ago about points efficiency, and basically the game is biased inherently towards a cheap chassis with an effective gun or an effective close combat weapon. Um, and the fact is that you know the reason a scion is 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 effective is because it has a very very low um, barrier to entry in, in order to achieve um, high damage output and, and maneuver maneuverability flexibility. So you can get around the board easily because of deep strike rules and do a lot of damage when you get there. So I think guard are going to dominate the addition, um, not even just necessarily the matter at the moment, um, by virtue of being cheap. In 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 their in their in their IP, they're a cheap, you know, it's a human being running around, not a space marine, so you can't make them super expensive points wise, um, and you can't make them completely rubbish either because it invalidates some other aspects of, of the the IP the game sort of built around. So um, I do expect um, them to be around for the for the for the lifetime of eight. Um, however. I don't think we'll be seeing pure Imperial Guard lists winning events. I think we'll see, and I'm talking about over the next sort of six months, not necessarily the next couple of weeks. I think you'll continue to see soup lists be dominant um, for the foreseeable future, um, both Imperial uh, Chaos and obviously the one that no one's talking about at the moment, uh, which is Elder or Adari or whatever we, uh, however you pronounce that. Um, so I think those will be the three building blocks around the competitive meta. It won't just be, oh, I've got this codex, this is my army. Um, those those lists will do well, and they'll, they'll be very strong in the midfield, but suplists are, have so much inbuilt uh, flexibility that, that that's my prediction for um, you know, the, domin the dominant way of, of playing the game at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you certainly see... Um some of the lists out there like Tyler's list where it's a bunch of uh, Ash Militarum to hold uh, Tyler DeVry, I mean uh, a bunch of Ash Militarum to hold the backfield and then a bunch of uh, Grey Knights and another detachment that play Assault and that combo works really well and in Chaos you currently, uh, in Chaos mathematically is the quote unquote most powerful army uh, in the game right now uh, at least by all the numbers by which all the metrics we track they are the, the most powerful um, faction at present, and that's always a moving target. You know, you see a mixture of 
some renegades, you know, some uh, brimstone horrors, which are still extremely two points efficient in my opinion. As you noted, uh, they have like tremendous defense for a low price point. And then they have some really, really hard hitting and incredibly versatile stratagems and units. Um, I, I tend to agree. Uh, now, if GW were to change the way that works at some point, which we'll have to wait and see if that is something that may or may not occur, I think that would change. But uh, um, in terms of pure armies, it can be a challenge to compete with the versatility that the mixed factions provide uh, provide you. Uh, that said, uh, of the regimental doctrines, which do you think are the most appealing and why? Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record. We've probably talked about this in private before, but you know, I think Katachans are, are uh, you know, a standout um, go-to choice for me. Um, the the options you get and the, and the effect, you know, the damage output increased by the buff to strength is um, significant. It, it, it skews the numbers on guarding combat quite significantly, um, and and ultimately, you know, the game is 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 a combination of maths and tactics, and um, anything that you can do to to to, to skew the maths in your favour is um, generally a pretty good strategy. So yeah, I would um, I'd probably say Catachans. Um, plus, you get to paint up a load of miniature Rambo's, which is always fun. <laughs> that's what drew me to them in the first place. That was one of my very first armies of the game. See, I, I am of the opinion that Talarn is the best all-around uh, combination of stratagems, warlord traits, orders, and relic, everything, and uh, regimental doctrines. Although I think Katachan is easily like right there with them. Um, Talarn, I mm. think, as people play the game more, the their stratagem to outflank units, because uh, you can outflank three Lehman Rust tank commanders, as people have heard me say multiple times, they can come on the board and then move and shoot or shoot and move, and they ignore the penalty for uh, moving and shooting heavy weapons. I think that is going to be uh, tremendously good, plus their infantry are really good for, for mobility. Um, and a lot of it depends on the missions that you play, too. Like, they're kind of the, the, the boogeyman in the meta right now, as people perceive it for Asher Militarum, as the legions of conscripts and artillery. And I think if you have missions that are more progressive that require mobility, that army simply just doesn't work that well. And if you have lots of you know, Raven Guard, Alpha Legion, etc. Um, that army's just, it tends to get beat by those armies pretty frequently. Um, yeah. I think we're probably approaching list design from slightly different perspectives. So my, my bias towards Cathachans doesn't come from um, their, their maneuverability so much as, as an objective holding function. So if I'm going to run Guard, I'll probably only have one detachment of them, and it will be, you know, mass bodies as cheap as possible to sit on objectives with, with OBSEC. Um, so really for me, having... The way most people try to handle that is they run at you with a bunch of corn berserkers. So the Catachan buff there actually means that, okay, you've lost a, lot, a bunch of guys, but your damage efficiency against the unit that's, that's optimal for killing you goes up 30%. So um, I think it, you know the, the, your question is, is a very good one, but it always depend, goes back to you know, what's the overarching design of your, of your, your list look like. Yeah, um, and, and then picking the, the, most, you know, the, the best tool in your, in your toolbox. Um, after you've sort of fixed the original parameters. So. That, that you make a good point. It depends on what you want them to do. And then with the addition of a priest and Strachan, you have, you know, frighteningly efficient melee guardsmen. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, and then, of course, there's always counters to the counter. And uh, mm. so he's got some snipers can quite easily take the teeth away from Ash Militarum very easily because their characters are so vulnerable to that. But... Um, 
I think the, that what is alarming people is just how much good stuff they have. And there's so, so many different ways to play them. Um, and they're all effective. I mean, you could, it's almost, you could close your eyes, pick units at random, put them on the table, and you've got a pretty decent army with Asher Militarum, which ultimately I think is the goal with every codex. Um, some just come closer to achieving that goal than others. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, I think that what's an interesting sort of quirk of, of, of the codex is actually you can play a really good war game just with that codex and the core rules. Like if it was a one codex game, um, that's probably the codex I'd choose um, because it's so tactically versatile. Um, you wouldn't find that, you know, it wouldn't be like playing um, Eldor and Elder in 7th edition where everyone's armies looked kind of similar. You know, Wraith Knight, Jet Bikes, Warp Spiders. Um, so I think, you know, it's a good codex. It's definitely good for the game overall. It may not be seen that way right now or in the next couple of weeks, but, you know, I think in a year's time, people aren't going to be moaning about it. I, I agree with you. I think, like we were saying on, on the podcast earlier, it's going to be like 5th edition where you get a tidal wave of Ash Militarum players because, like, almost everybody has an Ash Militarum army. They're just a cool army to collect and, and build. And lots and lots of people have one in their in their shelf. And you can pull out an old army, and it's good. You know, like you probably already have the units that you need to play an effective game. So you're going to see a ton of them in the next couple weeks, uh, next couple months, because they're going to be the new hot thing. However, um, that will pass. And much like 5th edition, they're going to be very, very the bright shining star for a while, and then the next hot thing will come out, which... In this edition, it's probably it's only weeks away, right? So yeah, exactly. the, co- the codexes are coming out so fast, um, and that, that that kind of a segue into another interesting topic um, with, with chapter approved looming on the horizon. Now, obviously, you and I are privy to a lot of what's in that already, so we can't disclose any specific details. But GW kind of unveiled a lot of what's going to be in it at the Nova Open Seminar, and they've been talking about it on their Warhammer community page. Um, what do you think? Uh, you know, in, in as much as we can actually talk about it, what do you think is going to be uh, the meta is going to be like for the uh, London GT when that time uh, comes? Yeah, I mean, they sort of uh, already released the, the rules changes that, that had the biggest impact on the, on the meta, which was obviously objective secured um, because it biases the game even further towards hordes. Um, in terms of the meta for the London GT, I think by that time, um, you know, if Game Touch continue the release of the codices, the codices at the rate they have been we'll have pretty much all of them so um i think we'll st- continue to see a bias towards large body count cheap armies uh, we've obviously spoken about uh demons and god already however the big uh green monster that's lacking from from that sort of triumphant is orcs and i think um given their current position um, as an index army being very, very strong, um, but not quite uh, well well regarded. Like people aren't talking about them as much. Um, that they'll that they'll sort of come to shine um, later in the edition. So um, I think we'll see a bias towards combat focused um, horde armies, um, primarily because I think they'll. As you pointed out earlier, with the Raven Guard and Alpha Legion, you know, minus one to hit type rules, that you're going to see shooting-based horde armies become too ineffective um, and too easily countered uh, based on list design. So they'll just get the, the bad matchup problem. 
And as a result, they'll win five out of six games or four out of five games at tournaments. They won't be winning the actual events themselves. Whereas combat armies with you know, the ability to get across the board quickly, as well as smite spam, as well as artillery that's actually surprisingly point sufficient, um, will will be you know the dominant uh, way to play the game. And orcs are obviously the, the prime example of that. Um, so that's my prediction. Um, who knows if it will come to pass? Um, but I was chatting to a gentleman who uh, perhaps some of your listeners are familiar with, a, a guy called Ben Moley, who's um, obviously a, 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 was when he was uh, playing a lot a very well-known American player. He's the guy that set up the American ETC team, and um, he made a really good pertinent point about uh, Orcs, which is they have very bad, very few bad matchups. There's not a lot of armies that Orcs in Eighth Edition can't play. And that's not true of any other army that I'm familiar with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Orcs don't have a lot of lists they can't play against. And as you know, me and you and, and Mike and the other TOs in the world um, start refining our missions um, to be more well-suited for the meta and for edition, um, that's going to become really, really important. The fact that Orcs can go into any game and play it strong and play the mission well, because that's what wins your games, is playing the mission, it's not killing your, your opponent. Um, so that, um, that's really um, the way I see the game going in the long term. I think the game in the short and medium term, as, as the rules releases come out, um, they're gonna, it's just going to favour the players that play the most because they'll have as many stratagems, more, more stratagems memorised than their opponents. Um, and that means they'll get caught out less and they'll be able to, to pull tricks and shenanigans and do all sorts of um, you know, stuff that people aren't aware of because there's just so much new content. Um, yeah. That's, uh, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, that's not necessarily the best way to play a, a tactical strategy game because you're winning because you knew something rather than because you outplayed the other person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, in a year's time, money's on orcs. I, I, I tend to agree. Um, and then I think, of course, the fun the fun thing to do is always the, the counter list. And um, I, I say this not in any way to toot my own horn or anything like that, but I, at Nova, I brought a counter meta army because the shooting horde is is where uh, that's what won the event. Um, and if you bring an army like that, one that's exceptional at surviving uh, all the things that are popular, like Raven Guard being a prime example of that, or Alpha Legion, and then it's also exceptional at killing the things that are, are common in the meta, which is tons of wimpy little infantry, um, you can be a spoiler, and that's super fun. And that's where there's a lot of room to run uh, upstream, so to speak, and be very successful uh, by doing the counter meta list. And I think um, for people who enjoy that, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for that uh, as we go through this edition. Um, and as you said, memorizing stratagems, because we've been, obviously we have the advantage of having played a lot more reps than everybody else listening to this. Uh, that That is where it is at in this edition. <laughs> if you uh, have a suite of stratagems and, and regimental doctrines or, or whatever, um, chapter tactics, whatever they're, they're called for you, and you've really memorized them, you can pull so many tricks out of your bag as a good player that helps you overcome those bad matchups. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, uh, hopefully um, all the strategies will be as, as equally viable as possible. Obviously, there's some that are becoming more, more well-known. Um, my fear is that the game ends up being a little bit like the psychic phase of 7th edition, but instead of psychic powers, you've got stratagems, so you end up with a lot of bookkeeping. Um, now, that obviously solves 
the uh, the memorization problems, but you end up with a different uh, suite of gameplay problems, which is obviously bookkeeping um, and that sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how um, the competitive community you know, responds um, as the game develops. Um, we've obviously had our, 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 our view within the playtesting group, but what we don't have is you know the, the the brain of the masses we don't know how the community is going to take the game and go in a certain direction or not um because the meta is is not necessarily optimal people don't necessarily always play the optimal armies i found but you know they'll, they'll, as you say counting this happens so, so the meta develops based on something that's very efficient a counter list then dominates because it's designed to beat that and then people counter the counter so you end up with an evolutionary path of lists ends up in a place that actually isn't optimal anymore. And if you went back to the beginning, you'd have the best list all over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about you know, boots on the ground as being you know, killing storm ravens. But if I played, you know, a, a guard horde list, and I've got, a, a, you know, a Klexus assassin, Gilliman, and five storm ravens, I'm going to win that game. You're going <laughs> to you pull know? him off the table. I'm going to table him on turn two or turn three, and then pop my assassin up if Gilliman ever dies, and ha hang, hang him out at the back of the board. So, you know, that's going all the way back to the meta that was dominant at the beginning of 8th edition four months ago. Um, but we've already discounted those lists because of X, Y, or Z. So, um, yeah, I think that my, 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 my hopes for 8th edition is that people play stuff they enjoy playing. Um, and the meta, you know, sort of balances out um, around that. Um, but we'll see. You, you make some excellent points, and so much of it is groupthink. Right. So much of it is not what is actually good it is what it is perceived to be good. And uh, you, made, you made a great point. I played at Nova, a gentleman that had four Storm Ravens, Guillemin, Celestine, 50 conscripts, uh, two assassins. You know, it was the list that was it's been modified to survive the, the rules changes to boots on the ground. But he I was the only person that, that beat him. He crushed everybody else that he played. And it was the list that was good at the beginning of the meta, and, and, and humorously on that same note, uh, knights were, you know, everyone was terrified of knights, you know, the, the knights with Magnus army, and uh, counters came in, and people stopped bringing knights, but I, I am strongly of the opinion, if you brought a single knight now against your average opponent, they would have zero tools to deal with the knight, and you would run roughshod over a lot of people, so... It's a constantly evolving uh, meta, and that is what makes it fun, and that's what keeps it engaging and exciting, and I hope that that never changes, because um, that's what provides opportunities for people to show strategic brilliance, list-building brilliance, um, to run against the grain and, and shock everybody by doing something new and unique and then uh, changing the paradigm, shifting it. Uh, what was once perceived to be bad now oh everyone accepts that it's good and the only thing that has changed because it was always good is that someone simply showed that it should displayed it and I, I think that that's probably the most exciting thing about the competitive meta um, it, it boils down to a, a lot of it is just is simply perception <laughs> yeah no i completely agree um yeah well obviously we're We've been talking quite a bit about you know rapid releases in 40k um to sort of loop back around to something i I mentioned at the beginning is actually the thing I'm most excited about Games Workshop releasing um, is only tangentially related to 40k. It's the, it's the new Necromunda, um, which you know they sort of leaked uh, a couple of the gang pictures over uh, summer on the Warhammer community page. 
Man, I'm I'm so looking forward to playing some Necromunda again. Yeah, we are good. too. Everyone's yeah. really excited. I like I, I'm a huge Adeptus Arbites fan, right? Like I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for like a, just a mini faction to be playable in 40k because I would be all over that like white on rice. But um, at the Nova seminar, they had uh, asked, you know, oh, can we expect to see Arbites? And they they had insinuated quite heavily that not only would there be Arbites, but there would be enforcers and uh, all kinds of stuff from the Necamunda lore. So I think that that's going to be really exciting and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're um, I'm working with, with my event lead now, uh, who's going to be running our Necamunda campaign uh, to sort of flesh out a little bit about what that looks like and, and how the game's going to be played um, as a competitive game, but also being narrative led because it's all, you know, the game's meant to be a campaign, some sort of story driven game. Um, so we're super excited. We're sort of, obviously it's a terrain heavy game as well. So the table is going to look fantastic, uh, particularly with all that sort of Shadow War Armageddon type terrain that Games Workshop produced. Um, but we're, we're just, you know, ecstatic that this sort of specialist games division is really kicking out some amazing products. Blood Bowl has been a massive success. Um, you know, Necromunda, I'm sure, will, will follow in its footsteps. And um, what I've got my fingers crossed for is uh, Return of Gorkamorka. I mean, yes. you can tell I'm an all fan from my, my statements earlier about them. But that was like, I think that was the game I played first. Like, while I had 40k models, I didn't play the game. I think I, I, think I played Gorkamorka first. Um on the weird little oval bases I used to have. Yes, yes, that was a fun, fun game, and Man of War and all those. They, it's really exciting to see them back. The one I'm holding out hope for, and I, I believe that it, it will come, is uh, Epic. Um, there's oh, been yes, yeah, but didn't they say, yeah. yeah. They, I think they ha I think they confirmed that, didn't they? You know that Christmas uh, bulletin they put out? Uh, I think it was, wasn't Christmas just gone, it was the one before. Um, when they announced Blood Bowl was coming back and Necromunda was coming back. I think uh, Adeptus Titanicus was on that one. Yeah, they said that it, they didn't give like a definite date, but they did insinuate that that was definitely going to happen. And we've seen all the little Forge World models and stuff. So I, I uh, that, that's a tremendous game. And a lot of the modern multi-layered missions actually have their roots in the epic missions, which were played the same way. And um, really a brilliant game. And it's been insinuated that it might go up to like a 10 or 12 millimeter scale, which it would be perfect. Six is a little too small. Um, 10 or 12 millimeter, like uh, heavy gear or drop zone commander, I think would be ideal. Um, Cause you, you still get some detail on the models, but it's small enough where you can play uh, a regiment sized game, which is um, brilliant. Yeah. Mind you, it feels like we're playing <laughs> regiment sized 40 cat. Well, you know <laughs> what? No, it's not as bad as seventh edition, right? Like, yeah. like the, the, freaking battle company really literally was a regiment but um uh, at any rate uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show why don't you throw out the london gt details one more time for everybody and uh, sure. then, we can, uh then we can wrap it up so uh the best place to find out all the information you need about the london gt is on our website which is lgtpresents.co.uk um, there's all the information about different events and uh, that will be where ticket sales go live on the 1st of november and the event itself is on the 18th, 19th, and 20th of May in London. Awesome. Well, thank you, Zach. Always a pleasure talking to you, buddy. And uh, I'm like really nice. happy for you for the success you've had with your event. I hope it continues to grow. And uh, unless something crazy pops up, I plan on being there, where I will win and take all the glory and loot home to America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. <laughs> 
<laughs> Only Frankie doesn't come right because he's yeah, he'll beat you. Know. I know Frankie's been <laughs> kicking my ass lately, but you know what? I've always whooped on him, so it's I'm glad that uh, the youngsters had his time in the sun. <laughs> yeah, the Jedi becomes the master. Yeah, it, it, that, indeed, <laughs> that indeed has happened. Uh, I don't yeah. know when or where or how or why, but he is definitely uh, on point with his skill at this point. But um, uh, thanks for coming on the show, buddy, and I look forward to uh, speaking to you soon. No worries. Good to talk.